Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. If you knew that in about a year that you were going to die, how would you live? If you knew in about a year Jesus would come back, how would you live? Now just think about it. If we could just survey the village door to door and say, you got about a year to live, what you going to do? Many of them would think, well, it's time to go all out. It's time to start knocking out my bucket list. Maybe it's time to make amends with those who I have issues with. Or maybe it's time to, to live it up, do whatever you want. The time is short. But think about it. About a year left for you. What are you going to do? The great Martin Luther was once asked, what would you do if the world ended today? And he said, I would plant a tree and pay taxes. By that he means that he wants to already be living a faithful life doing the things that he's supposed to do, following Jesus Christ as if it was his last day. And you will notice that it is not extraordinary things, but it is that simple faithfulness and enjoying life, following the Lord on this earth. And what you just read in chapter 4 is the Apostle Peter, given his answer, time short, ends almost here. And he doesn't necessarily say plant a tree and pay taxes, but he does say a lot of things that are simple. But the question is, are you doing them as you're waiting for the return of the Lord, as you're waiting to go be with Jesus? And this morning, this is what we're going to look at. Time is short. It's almost up. And to show you a little image of that, my my daughter, another daughter, i got too many daughters and sons, but... her name's Jordan. She spoke to a group of teenagers about a few weeks back, and she used this rope, and I thought, that's really good. I want to use that. Now, this rope represents your life for eternity. Eternity. Forever and ever and ever. You got it? Eternity goes on and on and on. This red part right here, that is your life on earth. For real. It's just a blip. It's just a mist. And then comes eternity. The question is this. What are you going to do with this? And I don't want to be scaring you or anything, but this red is more than halfway over for me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hitting you, isn't it? Yeah. So if it's more than halfway over for me, what about you? 
just a little bit left. What are you going to do? And that's where Peter's at today. He's like, all right, what is our mindset? What are we supposed to do on the little part we have left as it stretches on into eternity? So he's going to cover two things. He's going to cover your mindset, the way you're supposed to be thinking about these things, mindset. And he's also going to cover your actions. So that's, a t- that's where we're going today. First half is mindset. Second half is action. So let's just go ahead and jump in with this concept of mindset. Look at verse 1 and 2 of chapter 4. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Chapter 3 spoke of Christ suffering for our sake to bring us to God. And followers of Christ follow the same road of suffering. As we said last week, suffering is not a detour on the way to heaven. Suffering is the main path and the main road to heaven. And Peter says right here, chapter 1, arm yourself. Arm yourself. What in the world does that mean? Well, arm yourself basically means gear up. Anticipate it. Don't be surprised when you suffer. Be prepared for it. This is what it's about. We're in a war. Chuck Swindoll, he said that Christ didn't send us out into the world as vacationers on a self-guided tour of a playground, but as soldiers on a tour of duty in a battlefield. Not here to be entertained. We're not here for comfort. As we follow Christ, there will be suffering. But get this, in your mind, in your heart, don't be surprised. Jump down to verse 12. Jump down to verse 12 and 13. Peter says it. (laughs) Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. You ever feel like that? Well, it's really strange what's happening. No, no, don't be surprised. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of His glory you may rejoice with exaltation. Suffering's not to be strange. Of course, it's a part of the fall but it's a normal part of the Christian life, especially suffering that is associated with your relationship with Jesus Christ. And this suffering, according to verse 13, should produce joy. You notice he says there, keep on rejoicing as you share the sufferings of Christ. But what's the point? What's the purpose of suffering? Go back to verses 1 and 2. Let's go back again to verses 1 and 2. What's the purpose? Look at the end of verse 1. Because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. There is something about suffering that tends to narrow our focus on what is important. It's not that we're never going to sin again, but there's something about suffering that tends to knock out and make us deal with our proclivities to fall and to sin and to 
deviate in ways that are apart from the Lord, and it kind of wakes us up as we are in this furnace so that we no longer live for the flesh, but for the Lord. Now, I've been wanting to tell you this story for a long time, and I feel like now is the appropriate time. It's a fairy tale of sorts. It's from Tim Keller, and he tells this story uh, about a witch who lives in the woods, and she has a cottage that, that functions as an inn, so when travelers come by, they stay in her inn. And she has cast a spell on the bed, so when the travelers sleep in the bed, it is the most comfortable bed they have ever slept in. And if they stay asleep as the sun comes up, they turn into stone, and the witch takes them and makes them part of her trophy collection. But there was a servant girl who was working for this witch, and she hated what the witch was doing. Now, there's nothing she could do about it, but she hated it. And one day, a young man came in, and she didn't want the young man to be turned into stone. So she went into his bed before he went to sleep, and she put all types of rocks and sticks and stones, just loaded his bed with rocks and sticks and stones. And so he goes to sleep in the most uncomfortable bed ever. And he's throwing out sticks and rocks. He's tossing and turning all night. He can barely sleep. And way before dawn, he gets up and he says to the servant girl, that is the worst bed ever. How dare you Try to charge me for sleeping in such a terrible bed. And this is what the girl said. She said in response to him, the misery you know now is nothing like the infinitely greater misery a comfortable sleep would have brought upon you. These were my sticks and stones of love. When we're undergoing a lot of stuff in our life, we think, God, what are you doing to us? What are you doing to me? And there's ways that we cannot see that sometimes the suffering and often the suffering that comes our way are God's sticks and stones of love to make us done, as it says, with the flesh, to stir us up to see what really matters, that God brings these things into our lives that are his sticks and stones of love, and we are to arm ourselves. We'll say, okay, This is the way it's going to be and our little blip on this earth until we're with Jesus forever and say, Lord, we receive him for our good. But not only do we need to arm ourselves with this attitude, but there's something else we need to do in our mindset. And our other part of our mindset is we're not to go back to our old way of life. Look at verses three and four. For the time already passed is sufficient for you to have carried out the desires of the Gentiles having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. and all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation, and they malign you. I love the rationale here. It's like saying, you've already spent enough time in sin. Don't go back to doing what unbelievers do. Don't go back to sexual morality, drunkenness, and idolatry. Leave it all behind. And even if the unbelievers are trying to entice you, say no. Now, pastors like this would really preach in my last church as it was mainly college students, and they were in an environment where they get converted, they start following Jesus, and everybody is trying to tempt them through their drinking parties and immorality to come back and join them. But I also believe that even in this demographic, 
There are people in your life that are wondering, why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you living the way you're living? You're wasting your time following that Jesus. And perhaps there are times you're wondering, am I wasting my time? But look what else the Word of God says. I know we're jumping a lot today, but jump to verse 14. Look at Jeff, verse 14 and 15. It says, you're blessed. Verse 14, if you are reviled for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or thief or evildoer or a troublesome meddler. He's saying if you are reviled, if you are mocked, if people are making fun of you because you're following Jesus, you're blessed. I don't care if you're in junior high, high school, college, or at your age group. It doesn't matter. People make fun of you, mock you. Maybe your kids make fun of you, mock you. It says you're blessed. In fact, it says a spirit of glory and of God rest on you. And now it takes it to another level. And this is a level I don't know if you're ready for, but it takes it to a level of judgment. Jump back to verse 5. Come on, verse 5. Verse 5. What does it say about the unbelievers who are giving you a hard time? It says, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For the gospel has for this purpose been preached even to those who are dead, that though they are judged in the flesh as men, they may live in the Spirit according to the will of God. Huh. So it's saying that all of us are going to give an account to God as God will judge the living and the dead. But think about this. Some of your friends and family members are no longer on this earth. And they are with Jesus right now because they trusted Christ. And this passage says, for this gospel has for this purpose been preached even to those who are dead. But get this, those of you who are friends and family members who trusted Christ, though they are dead, they're not dead dead. You hear me? They live on with Christ forever. And when people are mocking you and making fun of you and trying to get you to come and join them, they say, come on, when you die, you die. And so when they want to entice you, you push back and say, no, no, no. Though I die, I will not be dead. I will live with the Lord forever. And so the enticements and this little blip right here are not worth it as we will live forever with the Lord. Now, I want you to notice Peter's going to take it to another level. We're going to jump once again. Let's jump one more time. Jump to verses 16 through 19. It's pretty amazing what he says here. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he's not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. If it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved. What will become the, of the goddess man, the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. 
So even for us as a believer, there is this discipline, there's a sense of what we can call it, God's judgmental discipline. Not a judgment that sends us to hell, but it's God's sticks and stones of love. It's this purifying thing that comes upon the church. We've talked about it before, that the church tends to expand and grow in areas where there are great persecution, right? So there's this fiery trial that the church goes through. So we, in a sense, are being refined in the fire right now, but it's not a fire that's going to consume us in absolute judgment. But if this what begins for us, what about the one who does not know Jesus? What about the one who will face wrath at the end? I mean, this is a scary thing to think about. We have this little blip right here and this, this little part right here, and you think about those who do not know Jesus, and that at the very end, and as they enter eternity, they will face wrath and hell forever. That is a scary thought. And I have no idea where you're coming from. And I make no assumptions that there may be someone here or several someones in here who do not know Jesus. And the reality of your life expiring into something that is ending in wrath and hell forever is terrible. And to know that there is rescue, I'm telling you right now, there is rescue. You can be forgiven through Jesus. You can put your faith in Jesus This may scare you to death. It does not have to. You can trust Jesus to forgive your sins. You can put your faith in Him and follow Him as Lord. You can do that right now. We don't have to do any emotional appeal at all. All you need to do is look at this. Your time will end on this earth. You will either spend eternity with the Lord or not with the Lord. You're facing His wrath. But there is a rescue through Jesus. And you can put your faith in Jesus right now. So my brothers and sisters, we got a mindset. Gear up. Suffering. Arm yourselves. Don't go back to your old way of life. Alright, so what are we supposed to do? That's our mindset. Let's get into some action, okay? So you're wondering, okay, you're about to enter eternity. What are you supposed to do while you wait for the end of all things? Alright? talk about some action look at verse 7 the end of all things is near therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer all right first thing be sober for prayer if the time is short and there's not much longer that we have left we need to be sober for prayer and have sound judgment and on the one hand we remain sober but not indulging in the things of this world you can think of easily you can think of alcohol or you can think of all the entertainments that we can become drunk with remain sober for prayer but on the other hand i think you should also not become consumed with the details of the return of jesus christ to where you are paralyzed because my brothers and sisters We are not on the planning committee, but on the welcoming committee. Don't become so overzealous for prophecy, though I encourage you to study it. Don't become so overzealous by it that you are just getting distracted. We are to remain sober, and the reason is for prayer. If you want anything to be accomplished in this world, you must pray. If you want to endure suffering, you are to pray. If you want to bear fruit, you are to pray. What are you supposed to do before you die? Well, 
with the time I have left, I'm going to pray. Not just prayer, but notice the next thing, sacrificial love. Look at verse 8. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. So regardless of the amount of time that you have left on this earth, there's always enough time for love. We don't face the end of our lives like the Bible talks about somebody, when, some people when it talks about the end is near, it says what of them? It says their love grows cold. It, it, hopefully that's not happening as you are getting closer and closer to being with the Lord that your love is growing cold. No. We want our love to be fervent. So fervent that we can overlook sins and pettiness as it will cover a multitude of sins. And this is not easy for me at all to have a fervent love for other people. And I just want to tell you that I'm going through a season of difficulty with one of my kids. I mean, we all do that, right? And you may wonder, which one? Well, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> and rather than loving them fervently, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I am be being fervently critical. I am being fervently angry. I am being fervently irritated anybody ever like that how about with your friends with your spouse are you fervently irritated fervently angry it says right here we are to fervently love notice the next part hospitality without complaining verse 9 be hospitable to one another without complaint Back then, Christians were often poor, even displaced, and they relied on the hospitality of other Christians to welcome them into their homes. Now, you can imagine that someone who is living in your home for a long time, there may be some complaining and irritation, but it says, offer hospitality, and it adds that on without complaint. Now, I know when we talk about hospitality, basically, we're talking about entertainment, right? I want to get a big house so I can be hospitable. No, not really. You just want a big house. And you want a big house so you can entertain. That's not the hospitality we're talking about. Okay, so don't think just because you have people over for dinner, you're being hospitable. That's nice, but that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is reaching out to those who have needs, who are suffering, and sometimes bringing them in to live with us, even for a while, even for a long while. And you know, I'm, I'm thinking about as I interact with a variety of people here who are going through trials and loneliness and difficulties, I'm wondering, as we are near being with Jesus, if there should be a lot more of this hospitality going on among us. Maybe you have some room to have someone over. Maybe they won't come live with you, but maybe they're over at your house all the time because you need to serve them. You need to serve them to a point where you're being doing extra work. You have to go out of your way because that is the hospitality where you're not just entertaining, but you're bringing them into your lives and they are there often and you're serving them and loving them. Hospitality without complaint. And the last area of what in the world we're supposed to do for with Jesus, serve one another with the gifts. I'm going to really press this one home. Look at verse 10. As each one has received a special gift, Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. God in His grace has given you a gift, every single one of you. If you don't know what your gift is, that's all right. 
You can go ahead and take a spiritual gifts inventory if you want, but I would encourage you just to get going and to get serving because everyone can start serving. And as you start to serve, especially in the body of Christ, you notice what your gifts are and others do as well. Look at some options here. Verse 11, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. All of the spiritual gifts can fall into these two broad categories of speaking gifts and serving gifts. The speaking gifts are like prophecy, teaching, exhorting, and on and on and on. Whoever exhorts and whoever teaches and preaches better do it in line with the Word of God and not water it down. Because those who teach and those who preach will face a harsher judgment. So to use their gifts to serve the body. But there are also these serving gifts. Serving gifts are like mercy and giving and a variety of other behind-the-scenes acts of service. And they are to do it by the strength which God supplies. They weren't to power through in their own strength, but to rely on the Lord for His strength. And the motivation for all this is the glory of God. We want God to be glorified through Jesus Christ. So I'll give it this to you. Time's short. You need to be serving. You need to be using your gifts. What does that look like? What does that look like? Well, there's a lot of informal ways you can be using your gifts, but right now, not going to let you off the hook at all. Because if you attend here, this is your church. God expects you to do more than just sit there. If this is your church, and it's your church if you've come more than twice, <laughs> God expects you to do something, to serve in some way. And you're sitting there going, well, what in the world can I do? I'm glad you asked. We have some opportunities, and I'm going to share them with you right now. What we call volunteer opportunities. Let's, let's put this slide up if we have one. We need servants. We need volunteers. And I'm, I'm going to throw it out there. And on your connection card, you can actually write down an area you'd like to explore. Did you know we give a significant amount of our budget to missions? We have missionaries all over the world. And there's a lot of prayer, an organization that goes into that. And we need mission team men members. It means that you don't just say you're on the mission team, but you show up. We have monthly meetings. We have a men's ministry. We just had a retreat last month. We need someone to coordinate the next one next fall. And boy, do we need small group leaders. We have a lot of small groups. And we need some leaders to lead. And, and not just what you, in your mind you think, oh, does that mean I'm going to talk the whole time? No, it's, it's a lot of facilitation of questions as we center on the Word of God. We need small group leaders. We need to multiply small groups. A lot of our small groups are packed. And we need more and more leaders for more and more groups. We need audio and visual helpers and video helpers so we can continue to pull off what we're doing right now. We need IT task force. Now, you've got to have some kind of background to that, please. But IT task force. And women's ministries, event planners, wing sewers, Operation Christmas Child leaders, Healthy Move helpers, prayer warriors for Sweet Hour Prayer, Summer Book Club leaders, Bible study leaders and teachers. We need people to step up. In fact, 
There is another service going on right now, right across the hall. It's called The Gathering. They're watching this sermon. Before the sermon starts, they are playing their own music. We need instrumentalists to join the worship team. We need more and more people that can use their gifts musically to be a part of the worship team in there. It was a great crew over there today. I counted, I think, four of them. Sounded wonderful. We need more and more as we develop a worship band. There are ways that you can serve before you go to be with the Lord. And we encourage you on your connection card, just bop one in there and we'll follow up with you. Now, I know in our community where we live, people have a lot of extra time. And often they're asking, what should I do with the time that I have on hand? And I think you should be asking, what should I do with the time that I have left? Right, right? That's kind of a distinctive question, right? When you ask, what do I do with the time I have on hand? I just got a lot of time. What should I do? You maybe should be asking, what should I do with the time I have left? Because that sends some urgency in it, right? You feel that, that urgency? Okay, what should I do with the time I have left? And many people indulge it. They go all out. And the reason they go all out is because they think this is all they got. And so while they got it, they better do everything they can because this is it. But my brothers and sisters, if you follow Christ, you know that it goes on forever and ever and ever. And so during this blip and during this mist and during this time we have left, we can fervently love. We can pray like crazy. We can open our homes. And we can serve because we see the long game. We see that when this life is over, it is not over. And so we can serve our Lord Jesus Christ now and we can serve him forever. And this is the time we have left. It's short. It's almost over. We'll see him soon. But until then, we want to live for his glory. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.